Hey boys, do you believe in soulmates? I'll ask yep. you first, Nick. Absolutely. Mark? Yes, with an asterisk. We're gonna, hey, we are gonna we are gonna examine that question with an asterisk. Coming up, Mark. What are we watching? Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspects. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm going to make him an awful game. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. We are going back to 2009 and we are watching 500 Days of Summer. And I know you guys both love this movie, but for those that need a refresher, I found a very, very detailed recap and uh, hopefully it does it justice for you guys. After it looks as if she's left his life for good this time, Tom Hansen reflects back on the just over one year that he knew Summer Finn. For Tom, it was love at first sight. When she walked into the greeting card company where he worked, she the new administrative assistant. Soon, Tom knew that Summer was the woman with whom he wanted to spend the rest of his life. Although Summer did not believe in relationships or boyfriends, in her, in her assertion, real life will always ultimately get in the way. Tom and Summer became more than just friends. Through the trials and tribulations of Tom and Summer's so-called relationship, Tom could always count on the advice of his two best friends, Mackenzie and Paul. However, it is Tom's adolescent sister, Rachel, who is his voice of reason. After all is said and done, Tom is the one who ultimately has to make the choice to listen or not. Well, boys, I went with the whole like narrator theme there. Hopefully you picked up on that. And uh, Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Hugo's, uh, contribution to IMDb sufficed for you guys this week, but, uh, I know you guys love this movie, and I think one of you recommended it to me, if not both of you, so, Jeff, moment in time, let's go. Oh, all right, well, it was recommended to me by none other than Nick in this <laughs> podcast, and then actually recommended first by my good friend Brad, shout out, he said it was the best romantic comedy he'd ever seen. Um, not getting into any romantic comedy debates this week, <laughs> so leaving it at that. But um, yeah, but literally Nick and Brad both recommended it to me. I saw it. It was love at first sight. Uh, this movie is fantastic. I went on to tell everybody I knew about this movie. But Nick, I can't wait. You recommended this to me and Mark. I cannot wait to hear about your moment in yeah, time yeah i actually watched it with a summer-esque like girl and we rode our bikes like three miles down to the mayan theater <laughs> on a board nothing to do summer day I, I still remember it too of all the memories from that summer that is definitely one of them i knew right away it was it was gonna be probably the favorite movie of the year it really touched me um you don't really know until you be there i kind of feel like i should lead the way on this podcast a little bit because i've definitely lived this pretty much every year of my life for like the last 15 years. So I kind of oh watched Nico, that's so brutal. I don't even want to know. If I, I don't even I don't even know if I want to let you lead it after that call. Yeah. I'm very much uh Tom-esque in my own ways and I realized that watching this again. But uh I would rank it in my top 50 of all time. I'd also say the best movie that year and still holds up as good as it did the day I saw it. Very touching. I was kind of getting misty-eyed rewatching it again today. So I'll leave you with that. Good stuff. So I mean, I don't remember where I was or or when I saw it. I just know both of you had loved it and uh, came from your recommendation. So I, I haven't seen it since, but um, this was a fun week revisiting it because, like I mentioned off pod, I, I watched it three times this week. So I've now seen it four times. I watched it at initial one viewing. Uh, what you know, two thousand nine. It's interestingly. It's an interestingly rewatchable movie. It's very rewatchable, like, but it, I'm not surprised that I didn't go back and revisit it necessarily because it kind of stings, obviously. We'll get into that. Um, so, Nico, this is your movie. So, uh, what worked? What works first and foremost with you? I'm going to let you bat lead off, like you said. <laughs> the timeline. I loved how they played with it. Uh, the inspiration from the screenwriter. 
I thought oh really God. played. I mean, that guy wore this movie on his sleeve, did he not? Jeez. Yeah, it helped us see the highs and the lows, in the perfect order. Otherwise, we would have just seen it up and then we would have seen it down, and that's not as interesting. But also, it doesn't have the same effect either. So, Jeff, you talk about pace a lot. I thought it, it was, it, it was, it showed us a near perfect. It's a well-paced take. movie. Yeah, a year and a half relationship in ninety-five minutes. It didn't feel overdone. It felt a lot longer than ninety-five minutes, but I didn't mind it. But the way they did that was. You think the pacing is a credit to the director, who has a full music video background? Um, what's his Ooh, name? Sorry, that I did uh, not know. Mark Webb. Mark Webb. That's I all he's ever that done. Watch, I thought all about it, that one watching it, and I was like, "This guy knows how to get it." And I was like, "I really wonder if he knows how to tell a visual story, because a lot of music videos are a story." Th- that's in, what like, I two thought. Minutes. So I totally and think that that plays knows, with he the pacing. Figured out for how sure. to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he treated this movie like a music video for sure in that regard with what you just said. Uh, he really, with the pacing, he tells a great story. So, and it's, it, it feels long, but it feels right, and it's not it's almost, long. It's so, almost edited for the ADD generation, too. That's a great I mean, call out. It doesn't, it, it's weird. There's a part in the middle where it, 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 it doesn't, it's not that it's slow, just. It feels long, but it's still like a ninety-minute movie. So, so I, I have a take. I think it feels long to me because it feels painful, and it maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. There's a lot of those awkward scenes that are hard to watch because we've all been there, and it, it just doesn't make it a fun rewatch. So it just kind of feels dragged out to you, where you're like, I, you know, I could have done without that one again. That's that's to me how it feels. Because you're right. It's not. It, you're absolutely right. It does feel long, and it is only ninety-five minutes. Yeah. So, okay. okay. All right. I'm glad I didn't feel alone on that. But it it doesn't feel. It doesn't. It doesn't feel wrong though. Like yeah. there's nothing I want to cut from it. If exactly. That makes there's sense. nothing you can't so, yeah. cut. Yeah. Every yeah, every yeah. tiny scene of their relationship disassembling is really important, and you get a look on it later. Uh, I think it's the perfect casting. I'll get into that a little bit in my category, but I think Zoe Deschanel is probably the star of this movie. But I think it doesn't work without Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's actually one of my favorite rom-com stars. I love Don John, but we'll get into that another day. <laughs> It'd be a fun movie to pod. Yeah. Watch it for our listeners. Overall, this this movie is just clever as hell. Even the narrator. I mean, th- it's the way they do things and the way they tell things. It's like they're telling you things, but the way they tell it paints much bigger of a picture. And I have one example of that. I love in the beginning when he talks about summer and he says, summer's employment in the daily freeze during the sophomore year co- coincides with it. <laughs> 212 percent inexplicable 200% increase in revenue. Every apartment summer rented was offered at an average rate of 9.2% below market value. Her on her daily commute 18.4 double takes a day. I, that was just their clever way. That's just one example of saying she's normal but she's anything but normal. And they they told us it, which in film you're not supposed to do, but the way they told us it gave us a whole new color to it. Talking about talking about tone, the direct the director does it. He actually says it very well himself. Um, his his quote is, "It's like a pop song in movie form. It's not a big film. It's not about war or poverty. It's about five hundred days in a young guy's relationship, but it's no less deserving of scrutiny. When your heart is first broken, it consumes you, and it's an emotion. It's an emotion I wanted to make a movie about before I forgot how it felt." Ooh, I dig that. I, I thought I just thought that explain the movie like perfectly mark i interrupted you no no i was just gonna give a shout out to our narrator's name it's richard mcgonigal who has like 193 credits to his name and you know how when you look at imdb it shows you know like their biggest hits under their name this poor guy has 193 credits and his first hit was 500 days of summer and i'm like oh my gosh he's a narrator (laughs) (laughs) this poor guy he's got a he's had a great career and Apparently, all I'm ever gonna know him for is this narrator. There's nothing else I'd ever. <laughs> He's heard so of. damn good in it, though. And thank God, he is. you know He's that great. you know that they originally filmed this without that. The studio was dead set against the narrator. They filmed it without the narrator. They tested it for audiences, and it was a disaster. Yeah. And the studio reluctantly let the director put the narration back in. And the next testing, it tested so much better. That's two so. things they screwed up because they also the studio also didn't want the documentary and I think that's a nice little Agreed. mix like a nice little break within the movie when we get to the friends and the black and white scenes and 
they, the studio was totally against it, and they tested it, and the audiences loved it. And they have a bunch more footage from it that we don't see any of that. I'd actually like to see that, but I did. I, I would love to see that as well. Um, I, I wrote down a couple things that worked. I put down the cast, the concept, and the love story told by emotional beats like a memory. Um, and it's just a brilliant way to tell a love story. Um, not like through from through emotional through almost an emotional map rather than a straight narration map. Um, the other film that does this super well is Blue Valentine, but this movie did it first. And Go ahead, Mark. I, I mean, I don't want to leave the soundtrack out. I think the soundtrack's pivotal to the Fantastic. pacing that I we totally talked agree. about. So that, that's one of the things that works way high up. Uh, you guys talked about Zoe and Joseph. I think their connection works great. I think Chloe... Grace Moretz is the sister, Rachel. I think she's awesome. I think she arguably steals every scene she's in, too. Yeah, she um, really does. I, I love her to death. I, I, I f- when I first rewatched it, that, uh, as soon as her first scene came on, I was like, oh, yeah, she's great in this movie. I forgot how great she is. And you just get her every little act, basically. You get a little tidbit with her, and it's great. She's perfect. Um, but Quick question I have for both of you guys, though. Um, do you guys view Summer as the villain in this film? I think okay. most of my life until this rewatch, yeah. But I'll get into that. Go ahead, Mark. My, okay. I have a strong opinion on this, and it's why I love the movie. All right, so I had this thought today where I, I think I hated this movie for the first two, the first the first watch maybe, and then the second watch, and, and because I hated Summer so much, and so you ask if she the ah, Okay, so you, so you ask if she no, but hold on, I want to get into it. So I watched it three times this week. And I don't think it was until today where Summer might be Tom's villain in life. I mean, he might reflect back and later in life and thank her one day. But for everybody else, she's not a villain. It's just Tom just wasn't her soulmate like you talked about. And I don't think you feel that necessarily on the first watch. Instead, you just feel for Tom. And you're just like, God, this guy just got an ultimate kick in the nuts by this girl. And not that you still don't feel that necessarily, especially when, you know, he just sees that she's engaged all of a sudden. That's just brutal. But it, it, when you put yourself in Summer's shoes, I think you really grow some empathy and you kind of understand where she's coming from. And it's brutal, but... At the same time, at least she's honest. At least she didn't go down a road with Tom knowing that she didn't feel what she needed to feel. Or at least what she thought she needed to feel. So, and we'll get into, you know, her relationship later. But but, I'm glad you bring that. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. No, but I want to just finish it with, I'm so glad that I had a discussion with a friend of mine, my buddy Dave. And because he kind of helped shine a light on this. And... I, I think I was going to really bash this movie a lot tonight before I had this epiphany today with him. Because it's just, it like, up until... Yeah, it took, the, it took the, the fourth watch for me to just have a fully different opinion. Where, like, the first two watches, I just hate Summer. And I'm just, ugh, disgusted. But all that has changed. And so, yes. So, to answer your question... Um, I understand why people would think Summer's a villain, but I do not think Summer's a villain. Hey, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm really, I, I think that, I'm really glad you had that epiphany. And, um, I, I think like most people take your like first take on this movie. Um, and that's what I've makes always, it clever though. That is I've always seen clever. this film. I've always seen this film through Summer's eyes. Um, I have always, and one of the reasons I love this film is I'm like, is she spells it out beautifully in my favorite scene, that last scene of the movie. Um, not to step on favorite scenes, but like... No, let's jump in because let's when just she, let you start. When she, come, when she comes out and says, like, I mean, I, I think I even have the quote here. Um, do you have it handy? Oh, yeah, I woke up one day and I just knew. Knew what? <laughs> I knew what I was never sure with, never quite sure with, with never sure with, of, with you. Yeah, and that's, no, and I just think it was like, I always saw this movie, 
And it was so funny. Like ever, I, most people I know saw this movie and they're like, oh, what a bitch. And there's a couple things we'll talk about later she probably could have done differently or been a little more kind on. Uh, but like ultimately, I uh, and I a number of uh, girls I've talked through over the years love this movie for the same reason. Um, in a lot of ways, this movie is about a different kind of toxic man, toxic masculinity. Um, oh, it's if you've ever heard girls complain about the nice guy and how the nice guy feels entitled to a woman's love just because he's nice to her and projects on them all kinds of villainous whatevers because she doesn't instantly fall in love with him just because he is simply just nice to her when all she really owes him is to just simply be nice back. Um, and I, from the beginning, I found Tom kind of annoying. And he is projecting on Summer a person she can't possibly live up to. Right. They're very clear and about she, that, too. She even says that in my favorite line of the movie. Um when Tom says, "I need to know that you're not going to wake up in the morning and feel differently." And Summer says, "And I can't give that to you, Tom. Nobody can." I love that line too. Which is, I mean, she he's trying to morph her into the, he has morphed her in his mind and painted her as the perfect girl. And this illusion of a person that she could never live up to. And it's really a movie about Tom getting over that illusion of love rather than necessarily getting over a girl. Because until he realizes that, he's not going to be happy. Or he's going to build false expectations onto the other person. And Summer recognizes that right away. And she is honest with him from the beginning. The movie points that out several times. And um, for whether it's guys, it's not just guys, it's guys and girls. Um, I mean, both sides do it. But it really, in a lot of ways, is the anti-rom-com of this stuff is not that easy. And it's not just this fairy tale that everybody grows up and thinks that it's really going to be. I don't, um, I don't think this is a movie about rom romantic comedy. I don't want to get into that argument, but I, I do. Yeah, yeah, I sure. think this is a movie more about grief, but I totally see your point. And to Mark's point too, exactly what it was, I think I'm a very strong version of Tom. I'm, I'm actually kind of embarrassed even talking on this podcast because I was Tom last summer, summer 2021. And now I'm just kind of sitting here feeling differently about my life and who I've been blaming over the last year. And... I, I do. I, I see the side from Summer, and, and it gets so much in one direction where she's the antagonist and he's the protagonist, where they have to keep reminding us, like the date that he's on with the redhead, and she has to bring us back and, and remind us that, like, she's really not the villain, right? This is not the story we think it is. And and I'm just going to bring it up right now that uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt actually said that in an interview that yeah. he's actually on Summer's side, too, right? He develops yeah. a mildly delusional obsession over a girl. Whom he projects all these fantasies, he thinks yep, she'll. A lot of yeah, he thinks she'll 100, give his life meaning because he doesn't care much about anything else going on in his life. I thought that was interesting too. I mean, and real. I got, got to give a quick shout out to my wife here. One of the reasons I knew she was the one was in her first watching of this movie. She's one of the only girls. She's like, she immediately, she immediately like was right there with me, and she's like. This guy's the worst. This girl's been nothing but honest with this guy. <laughs> and I was like, yes, somebody gets it. So I love but it. But again, this is uh, what's really clever is because we're supposed to feel for Tom. But we have to know that he's actually, 100%. he's the toxic one. And all. I mean, yeah. she's cold and. Yeah, no, she, she definitely has her flaws. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, yeah. like, I'm not going to put her on too much of a pedestal. Definitely. Well, that's we'll, the big thing. We'll get here's into the, that. Well, I mean, here's the big thing that I want to just throw in Tom's defense here. So Tom thinks he's met his soulmate, right? Yeah, that's because yeah. he so watched British Pop a, as a child. It's a, it's a, it's, and it's also implied he misunderstood that, the uh, graduate. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's it's also implied that we Tom's never met. He's never been in love, like right. necessarily. Correct. Right. right. He's never had his day. So and it's yeah. So I'm with you. You both I'm have you both have loved somebody that has ended a relationship with you. Correct. Yep. Correct. Oh, for sure. So then, 
then you guys know. Then then you can't you can't hate on Tom. So that's why this movie has so many layers, because that's a layer in it in of in itself right there. That's, and that's something exactly everybody true, has to go through. Like, you, you, I mean, you, men I and mean, women, you go through that that look, elusive image oh, of the sure. perfect person that does it. And it's said that's why this movie is so brilliant. His friend says that in the movie, and he's like, "But actually, I'll take whatever the name of his wife is. I will take her over my perfect girl any day, because she's real." I like and that literally too. The movie. It, this is a movie about getting over that like kind of adolescent yeah. like childish view of what love is. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. I know. Really yeah. Like well, that. that's another layer. That's hold on. That's another layer of the movie. Like. That's what I'm talking about. This movie's really is really deep and it requires multiple watches. It and does. It, re- it really depends on agree. which part of your life you're watching it too, right? Like what season yeah. are you in? What part of love For sure. Are For you sure. in? Who, whose side are you on? I, I'm just telling you like it that that first love that dumps you like they become like a unicorn essentially, you know? Like like you're always then like I I love that person and I don't know why that ended. Like, essentially, it, and so it's, like, it's such a relatable concept for anyone that's gone through that. Now, if you've never Thousand gone through that, agreed. if you've never gone through that, then you don't understand that layer at all. But if you have, I feel like you totally get everything that Tom yeah. goes oh, going through. through. 100%. That's, that's well, exactly what I was going to say, wanna, too. Yeah, no. But it's easy to dismiss there. Tom as being a little whiny bitch. But he's not a little whiny bitch necessarily if you put into perspective that this is the first time this has happened. Well, just just like Nick said, it's kind of what phase of life you're in. And going back to quoting the director, uh, it's either the director or the writer, I'm not sure on this one, um, but literally says it exactly what you said, Nick, is he said, in this film, Summer is not a girl for Tom. She's a phase. And... That's, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Go ahead, Matt. I'm going to say it's really easy to just dismiss Tom, like you said, but until you've been there, either man yeah. or woman on both sides, and tell us you've Agreed. been led along by somebody and how that feels and how it kills your confidence, that's the real part where it's like, wow, like, of course someone's going to be the villain. Those people who've been through that, yeah. it's just naturally because it's, it's, it's the worst. It's the most painful. Well, and that's why, like, I've led people on before, Nick, yeah. and... In my or watching. kept them around and wasted their well, time. No, no. And w- in my watching of this, another thing that hit me really hard was that, like I said, that's why I've always seen it through Summer's point of view, because you're like, oh, that really isn't okay what you're doing to that person. Like it, like you know, it's a. The cool thing is, is no matter which, to your point, Nick, phase of life you're in, I think we've all. Been had that sides. illusion of somebody yeah. and we I think we've all a lot of us have also probably led somebody on I'll yeah we've, we've all been on both sides of it right and yep. when you're on the wrong side of it nothing nothing is more painful nothing yeah because it kills your confidence afterwards and because you've been on both sides of it or if you've been on both sides of it that's another layer in this movie you kind of feel some guilt at times when watching this movie yeah that's it, that's it, how I always felt honestly that's the emotions I was in touch with Okay. 100%. I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, but if you, like Nick said, if you've felt both sides of that coin, if essentially depending on your mood on your rewatch, it depends on what you're gonna feel. But favorite scenes. I know we talked about a couple already, but uh, Nick, once again, you said you kind of wanted a bat leadoff, so anything, yeah. I'm gonna let you go first here. I think expectations versus reality is like the yes. best use of the split screen it probably ever, right? Except for Wayne's World. History. Yeah, I had that. I wrote that down, Nick. It yeah, the best use of. Wayne's World, good call out. Keep going. Sorry, I 100% <laughs> agree. And then they tell two friends, and they tell two friends. And it's really heartbreaking to watch, and it's so beautifully artistic, too. I mean, it really is. Well, we've all done that in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not even in a romantic setting, but we have all had that moment of this vision of how something's going to go. Yeah. And then how it really goes. Yeah. And I rewatched that scene like four times. It's a fun scene to rewatch. Holy shit, they do there's so much detail in both sides. It's so good. It is. Um they're all drinking to the point they're all drinking wine and like all have these classy dishes in expectations. And in reality, it's beer, liquor, 
and plastic Tupperware. Yeah, that's a great observation. I didn't even notice about this scene. But I, I'm on Instagram a lot on the movie following sites, and they're always praising this scene because it is so perfectly done, even the Regina Spectre scene. And that, once again, that's a tribute to Mark Webb and the, his music yeah. video. Like, it, it screams music video within Absolutely. the movie right there. So I, I can't imagine it being that perfect without that song either. And I do believe it's Regina Spectre, but I'm not sure. Uh, I love the final scene in the park too. I think the, one of the most important parts of the movie is when after she rips his heart out one last time, he says to her, I really do hope you're happy. And then 12 days later in the next scene, we see him meet Autumn. I think that one doesn't happen without the other, and that's true to life. And I'm really glad that they put that part of the scene in there. That scene is the heart of the movie. And as much as I put down the two scenes that you just said, Nick, um, like as fun as reality meets expectations, that's just one of the best. There is so much... that. If the movie has a thesis, it's in that conversation. A lot of controversy, a lot, lot a uh, a big controversial fan theory. I'm kind of about drinking the Kool Aid of that fan theory. Uh, like, go. You want to talk about it, Mark? You want me to lay the groundwork? Well, no. I just, I just had in my notes that there's a fan theory that the final conversation between Tom and Summer on the park bench was imagined All by in his Tom mind. and did never, never really happen. And the last time and, he and saw to the her point, was at that party. Yeah, the last point when he stormed out, when he saw that she was engaged. I kind of like that. And I, I know, I like it too. Because <laughs> then, it, I even have in my notes, it says Joseph Gordon-Levitt has even said that he believes this is yes, more he believes a that scene theory. of Tom's coming to inner peace than actual reality. Oh, and if it. that is accurate, then day 408 at Summer's house party when he learns of her engagement is the last, the last time, time Tom season. ever Ooh. sees Summer. So it's and up to the for, viewer. And then basically when he's on the bench, this is the theory, I'm not sure what I believe. Zoe's actually, I think if I read right, she's on the record for thinking it was real. So the stars are in disagreement. But like what I like about this theory is basically that moment on the bench mm. was him coming to terms this is the moment he almost, in a way, gets over Summer and lets her go. He's coming to terms with what yeah, happens. I, and and he realizes the air. All of that stuff we were either criticizing or not criticizing. This is kind of his oh shit moment. Kind of realizing the air of his ways with her. I, like, And it's really quite beautiful. Like I am, if that is what happened, I'm okay with it. I know. I, also, I really, I really. I love this like scene to... so much. I want to think that it happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is a rare, rare debate of fans worth having too, because we always bring it up, and it's always like, oh my god, that's stupid. It's actually really touching, so I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. Yeah, I really want the, I, I really want the director to chime in and. Hey, and, listeners. And, and uh, shoot I, us a line. To, I'm gonna have to do some additional research because I, I want this to be true. So, is it your favorite scene too, Mark? Yeah, it, I mean it's right there. I, I also love the scene with, at the end with uh, Lila Garrity from Friday Night Lights. So yeah, Lila Garrity, Mika Kelly. So tell us, tell us why you like that scene with Mika Kelly? Because I like it too. I just want to hear why you do. No, I just love how he basically is reflecting within the moment of within the moment and saying. You know what? It's not up to chance necessarily, and I need to go back and make this happen. So he goes back and he makes it happen, and then it doesn't happen. And he's kind of like, all right, whatever. At least I tried. So I'm not going to be in my bed tonight wondering if I'm ever going to see that girl again. So I love that moment. And then obviously she, you know, has a change of heart, and, and we're, you know, we're just hoping that Autumn works out a lot better than his previous Lila season. Right? No, I, I think that's a yeah. perfect perfect ending to a movie i love it i love it how it doesn't it tell is us and then he breaks the he breaks the wall and winks at us at the audience and it totally it's such it, a great it works it, it, it works a, because it's a cheesy of, joke because Kirby it's the final Autumn, second yeah but it's uh, it's a perfect joke yeah like it, it is the, the perfect joke perfect. yeah like um just fantastic yeah any other any other scenes guys or we move on uh, no, i mean quotes? i do love every moment with with the sister right from the beginning when she shows steals up the and scene. gives him vodka and to, um, the, to, to the moment Chloe where she's steals in the, middle, the scene to the moment where she's in the middle of the soccer field and tells him not to be a pussy like she's awesome so uh, she's gonna she make your metal sand so well, i think I, she's 
I think she's the little girl from Kick-Ass, which also Yeah, she is. She's the girl from Kick-Ass, which is why she had no problem saying that line. <laughs> and let the white and let the right one in. Um, great oh, little yeah, actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot Whatever. about that movie. Did she, did she stop making movies? She that's a kid stuff? vampire movie, right? Let the right one Yeah, in. that's a fantastic yeah. movie. Um, if you haven't seen it. Uh, favorite quotes. There's so many. This I mean, movie I, is so damn clever. This is another layer of this movie. I already said that quote that I listed earlier is one of my favorite quotes of any movie ever. Uh, so yeah, you guys listed a couple. Nick, good give ones me one. Uh, roses are red, violets are blue. Fuck you, whore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a perfectly adequate greeting card writer. <laughs> There's no such thing as love. It's a fantasy. I, I love. I like that a lot. I think you're just remembering the good stuff. Next time you look back, look again. They used to call me Anal Girl. <laughs> I loved that scene. I was very neat and organized. <laughs> I guess I just figured why make something disposable like a building when you can make something that lasts forever like a greeting card. <laughs> just because she likes the same bizarro crap as you doesn't make she's your soulmate. I, I love it. Just because some nah. cute girl likes the same bizarro crap you do, that doesn't make her your soulmate, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> now look... Um, we're going to use, next time you come talk to us about a girl neck, we're using that one on you. Um, <laughs> Good one. now look, if it were me, I'd find out now before you show up at her place. And well, she's in bed with Lars from Norway. Who's Lars from Norway? Just some guy she met at the gym with Brad's Pitt's face and Jesus's abs. Uh, nobody loves Ringo Starr. That's why, that's what I love about him. Oh. Can we talk about that moment? Okay, that's a brutal. Okay, that's a that's brutal a kick in the nuts feature. moment when we get the montage essentially of him oh, of everything that realizing didn't go well. she doesn't like her anymore. <laughs> when she or didn't she listen like to song him. one of his playlist. Yeah, doesn't listen to song <laughs> one. Doesn't laugh at the Ringo Starr album. And then pushes, you... <laughs> pushes away the hand when he goes to hold the hand. Like, that scene's so brutal, man. Well, and you gotta... That's why it's important. I think that scene's super important for the audience, too. Because you gotta remember this movie's being told from Tom's point of view. Oh, for sure. And you gotta the buy that, that she's Summer's a Bitch whole thing. Like, so, remember, that's, so that's hovering over the beginning of the movie. In his... So, like, in his fantasy or his delusions... He gets no clues when she doesn't listen to song one of his mixtape. <laughs> but this is also right after Little Sister Rachel tells him to look look closer. I think that was a very important scene on the soccer field. 100%. Said, and then he went Next back, time no, you look back, look closer. And that was right, well, the scene right after. I mean, that's an important thing to anybody getting over a relationship to remember. Because that's every you're always going back to the happy memories. And then you're like, oh, but wait. Um, or anybody that's like thinking things are bad. Always remember to look at the whole picture, not just the... Right. There's so many lessons here. I'm getting to my finale because yeah. of what I know about love and what this movie reminds us all of. I, th- I think that's so we important. We good on quotes? So what didn't work for you guys? Because you guys, I mean, this is top 50 territory for both of you. So I'm assuming everything works, hopefully. I got some nitpicks. I didn't, I didn't like that Summer criticized Tom's career and she's a personal assistant. You know, I just like, she thinks he's not ambitious enough. And, you, <laughs> <That's> know. <laughs> you know what, Nick? I never thought of that. That's a great fucking point. point. <laughs> a very good point. Like, Carl, he'd be a great architect if he wanted to be. <laughs> She's a fucking personal assistant. <laughs> Floating <laughs> around Los Angeles. I'll never read that line the same again. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. That rent? How's she covering rent? Oh. Mommy well, she's getting 9.2% average discount. Nine, that's true. Mommy and Daddy, I think, took care of Summer. Um, I mean, child of divorce. Mom and Dad are... are mom and Dad are Somebody's competing for... Somebody's taking care of her, that's for sure. Mom and Dad are Tom competing for cards. her uh, loving... No. Well, um, I, I'll get into that in the ponderings. But um, I have lots of questions around this engagement. Um, this timeline. It... Uh, <laughs> It happens, and it's the only thing that they leave, and maybe you just, I mean, maybe it's, maybe she just is kind of a bitch, and, uh, like, it's the only thing that you, like, it's hard to defend Summer on, that it's kind of a rough move to, uh, invite him to that party without a little heads up, (laughs) like, unless she was just, she probably just got engaged right the day before, and didn't think, the first person she didn't think to call was her ex-boyfriend. I think that's true. Oh fuck! When he showed up, um, but 
like, I don't know. That's that. That's a little rough. There's lots of questions around that engagement. And I'll get into in ponderings. Um, but anything, anything else not work for you, boys? I mean, originally the timeline really didn't work for me. Okay. Meaning, you've come to love it now. No, well, no, not that I've come to love it now. I've just come to like originally. I thought Summer got married and dumped Tom within like thirty days. All right, let's but get into it. It's, it's I've got it documented. It, no, it's and I know it's more like six months after like watching. She it breaks three it times off on. Week. She breaks it off on day two ninety, and is married by day four seventy six, which is a hundred eighty six day difference. Yeah, so it's like six. Roughly six months. estimating, Summer got married a little over six months after breaking up with Tom. Right. Um, and then I calculated some more. That was from the internet. But this is good stuff. I never even thought of this. Go for it. 402 was the wedding. Uh, day 402 was the wedding that he attended with her. And 408 was the party. And she gets married 476. Um, so, but I'm saving it for a pondering. Um, what career corner? Anybody? Uh, no, I just, uh, I mean, our director, um, Mark Webb, I thought it was interesting that this was his first movie, and he did a bunch of music videos, and he still has done, you know, he then did a bunch more music videos, but then he landed both the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. yeah. and did both of those, and really nothing else, and did about, I mean, like, did, you It's know, an odd career on paper when you're looking very at Very odd Like, career. it's not a bad one not a great one it's like yeah, it's just you know like, it's almost like i don't know what happened with the whole star Wars. i mean not star Wars, the whole spider-man uh well, you franchise think, you think but, because they sony kind of abandoned the andrew garfield which is funny because now all of a sudden he's everybody's favorite spider-man they all hated him when he was in it but uh <laughs> i know now he's, now he's everybody's favorite cool fucking again. spider-man like, not, not, i know that's so weird he he can come back and make part three i think people are in there's a multiverse they can do it um <laughs> Um, I got, I got a, all right, when we're off the director, I have a career pondering, but no, I was just, uh, no, that was, I mean, that was it. I, Joseph Gordon-Levitt had a really big run and I, I mean, I kind of I, always, I wanted Joseph. to, I wanted to praise his run and then I realized he says yes to fucking everything. Well, no, he did a bunch of crap, <laughs> but he did have a, like a five year span where he did Inception in yeah. 2010 50, right. 50 in Dark 2011. Night, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of a massive half decade run, which is, yeah, shouldn't go. Dark Knight Rises and Looper were right. both great. Don, Don John, John is great. fantastic. Mark's credit. This is the beginning of a great half decade run, which shouldn't be underlooked. He's a well respected actor. I I have a career pondering here though. How do we feel about our girl Zoe's career? I mean, I think it starts she off gangbusters, and man, it. Like, is well, it a I mean, disappointment? She did the New Girl, which was a TV show that I think she a had a killing a of off liked. of. Yeah, I think I, I, that that show went on too long famous. though. In the beginning, it was great. Uh, almost Famous is great. But I'm just saying, she had a she has Almost Famous. She has this. It looks like she's about to take off, and then it just kind of like. Oh, yeah, you're right. She also, a half decade. It kind of take. I think New Girl was on TV for too long. I stopped watching because it was the same. Yeah, I mean, Nick oh, yeah, and it, Jess. It just, yeah, Nick did. and Jess. Well, Nick she kind of plays. Yeah. New girl, she kind of plays the same. She kind of plays Summer in that movie. But she's also got show. a music career too. But I mean, maybe she's just not that ambitious. Maybe she's just really talented. Uh, the happening horrible movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so much. I was just, I always loved her, and I loved her performances. But mm-hmm. I was disappointed. This is by far her best work. Uh, should we give out some medals, boys? Yeah, we should probably do that. Uh, I gave an honorable mention to Richard McGonagall once again, that narrator, because. I, I just, yeah, he really shines. He is. He, he, he does. And I gave my bronze medal to Mark Webb. Ooh, I like that. And I gave my silver medal to Rachel, played by Chloe Grace Moretz. So I have a gold medal. An upset. And I'm saying did, I didn't split the gold medals. That means I left one of our leads off the podium. It's Joseph Gordon Levitt. I know it is. He's off the podium or on it? He's off of it. He's off of it. He I'm is. I think he's you might have left Zoe. I think you might have left Zoe off. No, no. Gordon jo- jo- Joseph yeah, Gordon Levitt's off I just the know podium. By the way he's been building up to this, I just know. Uh, yeah, yeah. My gold goes to Summer. Zoe, Zoe, Zoe. Uh, 
Yeah, Zoe deserves this gold medal. She wouldn't have even been on the podium 48 hours ago, and she got the gold medal. It took multiple viewings to get me there. I love that uh, you take the time to do that, too. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is... uh, He's good. He's solid. No disrespect to him. Yeah, it's no disrespect to him. It really isn't. But I think anyone could have played him, and I think she might be the perfect and only summer. Yeah. I'm with you. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go similar to you. And I, God, you kind of change my opinion every time. I'm not going to go Mark Rabb. I'm going to go the screenwriter. Uh, Scott, I'm so glad you did. So I'm happy you did. Scott, Neurostarter. I, he, the one who dated... What, what's the girl's... The real life story is Jenny... Uh, yeah, Jenny Beckman. The girl who's mentioned at the beginning of the movie. She's a real girl yeah. who Good dumped Scott, Scott Newtstander or Newtstater, whatever his name is. She relates. She So when she read it, she relates more to Tom than she does to Summer. Right. She had no idea she was even Summer, actually. Well, yeah, she was. was I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, and I, I mean, according to the DVD commentary, seventy-five percent of this has actually happened. So that's a lot. That's a lot, boys. Co-writer, but a lot of this. This is more Scott Newstater's baby. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I, I got to give him credit because it's just so well done, and even how he came with the timeline, how he came up with it, and how he. He approached Mark Webber. He's like, I think we found what we're looking for, and just give me time to do it. Uh, big fan, but I'm not gonna leave go- Joseph Gordon-Levitt off the off the podium. I mean, he's going silver. Zoe Deschanel's going gold. I mean, this is her best movie. I don't think it quite works without her. I'll get into some of uh, my folklore. Is I don't know if you saw, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt actually chose Zoe Deschanel as the perfect lead before he was even hired on the project. He was on his audition meeting, and and uh, Webb asked him like, who do you think the perfect female is for this movie? And without hesitation, he said, Zoe Deschanel. And they, they and worked he, together? Yeah, and he said, okay. And then he went and got Zoe Deschanel before he hired Levitt. So I, I thought that was cool. Were, I wonder what they worked together on previously. Oh, and, no. Well, she's been in a lot of music videos, hasn't she? Well, um, I, mean, I don't know if they worked together. He just asked him, who's the perfect okay. female for this? Okay. Yeah. Well, he was right. I think she is. I, that's yeah. why I gave her the gold. I Absolutely. think she really genuinely is perfect for this role. It doesn't work without, any, without her. What are your medals, Jeff? Yeah, honorable mention goes to Chloe, uh, that, that she's just awesome. She steals every fucking scene she's in. I couldn't get her on the medal stand. I couldn't. There was a time in the oh. week where I wanted to give her the gold because I was so mad at Summer and Tom. <laughs> I, I had her on. I, I, tried, I tried substituting her out for one of my three, and I just I couldn't do it. Um, my bronze goes to Joseph Gordon. Love it. I think he plays the perfect Tom. Uh, he's just, he's really good in that role. I have a hard time imagining anybody else. I'm with you, Mark. I think some other people probably could have done it. But, or at like least I think Michael Sarah, you could just throw right, right. on his Tom and it's, he plays But I don't Tom. think it's as good, but I agree. But no, I agree. But I just, I think he's good. And I think he's fantastic in it. He just has that right, he has that very lovable, like, loser, like, um, sense to him. Um, my silver goes to the writers. Uh, they're the ones that had the idea to do it in non-chronological order. And it just, it's a great way to tell a love story. Because when you think of like the loves of your life or the relationships, you don't think of it from beginning to end. You think of it as a series of moments. And they kind of blend together. And it really feels like a memory of a love story. And that's why two of my favorite love story films are this one and Blue Valentine for that same device. Um, but I think so many times we get it in just the rise and the fall and we just get tired of it. It was nice to see something more fresh. Uh, the gold goes to Zoe Deschanel. She's magic in this film. Right. She, she's really a moment in time and the perfect person for this film. This film came out at the kind of the rise of the hipster and kind of the like almost indie girl. And she just with this and then even with new girl, uh, she just really encapsulates kind of a moment in time and a vision of a of an ideal girl uh in the world and i cannot imagine this movie with anybody else and i'm usually pretty good at that but yeah you are i just Uh. borderline don't see this movie working this she somehow makes a person that's written to be super unlikable very likable and in the wrong hands you just absolutely hate summer and 
uh, she, this is her movie. And apparently we've already pondered something right there, but uh, do we have any other midnight ponderings, Jeff? Yeah, I, I've got to get the, I can't, I'm so excited for this one. So we, we talked about that timeline. Basically, Summer gets married in a little over six months after breaking up with Tom. Uh, if you talk about when the party was, she literally goes from engagement to marriage. It's literally about a barely two-month engagement. Are we sure Summer's not pregnant? I actually this thought sure she, she sounds like a shot. This sure sounds like a shotgun wedding. Any other ponderings? What I got just two more. Um, which 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 lasts longer, Summer's marriage or Tom and Autumn's relationship? Definitely Tom and Autumn. Tom and no hope for Summer's marriage. Those shotgun those shotgun weddings never were. Six months ago, she I mean less than a year. Okay, less than two years ago, she didn't even think love existed. And now she's married all of a sudden? No. She's clearly not that proud of him. She never even introduces him to her ex-boyfriend. True. <laughs> just saying. True. Um, uh, the the other, other thing I kept pondering, I was just like, every time I watched this movie, I was, I, so I finally looked it up because I was like, it just, it's so funny to think there are actual greeting card writers in a, <laughs> out there. So I wondered how much they make. Um, so I looked it up and the average greeting card writer in America makes an average salary of $71,689 a year. That is $34 an hour. Is that factored in their benefit package or, you know, just the, just the salary, the top 10% of greeting cards makers, and this will blow your mind, make 126,000 per year. Oh, guys. Are they employed by Hallmark? Was this adjusted for the last inflation run, though? Yeah, no, well, yeah. Yeah, no they probably. Raise, They're probably like... up at 200000 now, right? How deep did you go while the, here? While the bottom 10% only make under 40000 per year. So uh, what did we miss, Nico? Uh, we got a few things. I gave away a lot of it early, but I kind of like that. <laughs> um, especially the casting. I thought that was the most fascinating. But um, there was a musical hint in this that all the bands that they referenced were all broken up on purpose, including Simon and Garfunkel, obviously the Smiths. And obviously Clever. the Beatles. Yeah. I thought Fantastic. that was... Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> just leading... I mean, they gave us plenty of clues. I love... This fact, is such a well put together movie. I, it is. It is. I love the narrator saying this is not a love story at the beginning of the movie. We didn't talk about that yet, but it, this is not really anything, but that, that actually really sets the tone for a lot of it. I asked uh, the girl I was watching this movie tonight, I said, did you think they were going to get back together when they did the whole wedding scene? And the answer was absolutely not. So... Um, while this film was originally set in San Francisco and then in any town USA, um, they actually didn't have any buildings that were built after 1950 because they wanted to give the movie a classic look. I thought that was super cool because you can feel, really feel the character come out, especially that's in, in Zoe de Chanel as well. So um, the color blue is used to bring out uh, Zoe de Chanel's eyes. I did uh, see that. You did. What did you think of it? Basically... I mean, I didn't see that in my notes until after. But speaking of that, though, did you know? Did you see in your notes the when they do the days, Nico? How yep, the, the, the moods change? The color is tinted based on yeah the mood. Yeah, day, and it kind of kind of gives you. I noticed that each time I watch the details. It, so this gives you what a, a well put together movie. Mm-hmm. I they thought of I everything can't. of every tiny right. detail. Good stuff. The screenplay for this film was featured in the 2006 Blacklist. Oh, yeah. Which, for those of you that don't know, that is a list of the most liked and sought after unmade scripts of the year. Final thoughts, Jeff. This is a fantastic movie. I am going to throw out there I also love The Notebook and some more traditional romances, so the audience doesn't think I'm just a a cold hearted (laughs) Debbie Downer. Uh, Titanic's fantastic as well. Uh, although I guess that ends badly too, but, um, this is just a a great film. I love the attention to detail, the casting. It's one of those things where it feels like every note is perfect. And so interesting about the, uh, all the time you'll hear us complain or you'll hear critics complain about music video directors directing films and how it often hurts the final project. I'm glad you brought that up today, Mark, because this might be one of the few examples where it probably helped the final product. And uh, it was fun revisiting this movie. It's a movie I can rewatch anytime. Maybe because I'm a Debbie Downer. I don't know. But um, <laughs> thank you, boys. No, I think it has multiple layers. I don't think you're a Debbie Downer. I think this movie is 
Uh, well, I'll get into it here in a second. Nico, what do you got for us? I know you got a big close for me. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of great lessons in love to this movie. Even I watch it today, I get teary-eyed uh, from watching it, and I just felt so affected by it still 10 years later. It's, it's timeless. It really hasn't doesn't feel like it was made a year ago versus 11 years ago or 13 years ago. Um, I love the lessons that it brought about love, and the, the main one being is you just can't force somebody to love you. And also that loving harder rarely ever works. And that that's what this so painfully explored so perfectly. And it, that's what makes it so hard to watch because we've all been there. We've all been there. Um, and that your expectations will never be the reality. And I, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom to be learned from first-time lovers out there as well. So um, definitely one of my favorites. I'm so glad that we watched it. And I, I, I wish they'd make more movies like this. That's, that's all I can leave you with, is that I would love to see what's coming next for this particular kind of genre. Or these two actors, or where they've disappeared in their careers, I would love to see them back. I also want to end it with a final shout-out to Summer. And when you first watch this movie, a big takeaway if you're a male is Summer's a real bitch. And... You know, if you watch it enough times, you also take away at one point or another. It's not our fault that Summer didn't find what she was looking for in Tom. We just had to watch it, but, it, it, we, we, you know, it, why do we have to hate on Summer because she didn't find what she was looking for in Tom? So let's be happy for Summer that she thinks she found it. I mean, we don't think it's going to work necessarily. Right. But, but yeah, but, it's good. Uh, but, I like uh, it a lot. Yeah, so I just wanted to give a you know final shout-out to Zoe, and uh, she's so great, and uh, maybe she'll listen to this. <laughs> but uh, on the pod anytime, Zoe. It was a, it was a great, uh, it, this was a great, great rewatch, because like I said, I hadn't seen this movie since it came out on your right. guys' recommendation, and I watched it three times in the last week, so. I love that. Uh, uh, I do too, so it's now forever ingrained, and that's why we do this, so hopefully everybody enjoyed listening, but on behalf of uh, Jeff and Nick and myself, thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Tales. We'll be back soon. Take care, everybody.